Toward the end of his life, Albert Einstein uh, removed the portraits of uh, Newton and Maxwell from his wall, and in their place, he put up portraits of Gandhi and Albert Schweitzer. He explained it was a time to replace the image of success with the image of service. How do you define success? What does it look like to be successful in this world? Who are the blessed in this world? How does one become blessed? Is it by virtue of their success in this world, by the fruits of their labor, that one is blessed? Does temporal success in this world, a, a glory and success that will eventually fade when you die, and I don't know if you know this or not, but you will die, and all the things, and, and here's the thing about all of us. There's not, no one in 150 years after our death will remember us. There's not a single person in this room that will be remembered in 150 years. There's very few that ever get remembered. And even then, what's remembrance? How do you define success? Does, does success in this world have anything to do with who is blessed by God? Sky Jatani, in his book, uh, Was Jesus Serious?, lays out a diagram of, of the Beatitudes in Jesus' Sermon on the Mounts. Um, based on Matthew 5. And it says, how does Jesus define success? He addresses it. It's certainly not by any human action or might or will in this world. The, the curse of sin prohibits any one of us to be anything but successful in God's eye. None of us are successful in God's eye because of sin. And so who are the blessed according to Scripture? If you look at this diagram based on Matthew 5, right, the blessed are the overlooked, the peaceful, the pure, the meek, the sad, and the poor. You see, sin inverts the truth of this world and distorts our understanding. We believe the blessed are the powerful, the rich, the influential, the popular, the strong of this world. The reality is, none of us, none of us are those things. None of us are powerful. None of us are rich. None of us are influential. None of us are popular. None of us are strong in the view of eternity. We are all needy. The gospel makes it very clear. Sin makes us poor and needy in the things that matter. And what does matters? It's righteousness. This is what matters. And we all need God's saving help in for us, for God's intervention for us to be righteous. We need his help. We need his rescue. Until we understand this truth, we will never properly understand who we are and who God is. You see, if we think that we don't need help or that we're not needy, this is actually called idolatry. We are lifting ourselves up to something that we actually are not. We, we elevate ourselves, we glorify ourselves, and we minimize 
God. We don't need God's help. We don't need his help. We don't need his intervention. Jesus uses the washing of the feet as a metaphor to this truth. That we are all powerless and needy. The truth being that we are all in the state of eternal humiliation. In need of a glorious, righteous, and loving God to rescue us. What is the purpose of the washing of the feet? I'm going to give you three purposes. It's a display of God's love, how God loves us. It's a symbol of cleansing by God, like how God saves us. And it's a model of Christian conduct, what it means to be in God's character. Display of love, a symbol of cleansing of God, and a model of Christian conduct. Let's turn to John 13, verse 2, and let's read. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid his outer garments laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Just kind of sub-notes for a sermon for a different time, maybe in two weeks. I just want a couple things you don't know. Satan put it into Judas's heart. We can go into a whole sermon on there, particularly in Luke, how Satan asks for Judas, and he asks for Peter, and Jesus gave him Judas. A whole sermon for a different time. It doesn't take away Judas's responsibility that he actually did something. The other thing I want to point out is the Father has given all things into the hands of Jesus. There is the idea of this is the sovereignty of Jesus. This is Jesus' choice to wash the disciples' feet, to go to the cross, to lay down his life. This is Jesus' choice. The Father is not abandoning the Son at the cross. This is, they are equal will and mind. The Father and Son choose the cross equally. They are one God with one will and one mind. This is really important understanding. This is, this is the doctrine of the immutability of God. God. This is God's unchanging God, that he's not changing. He doesn't change because he's in human form. This is still his choice. God chooses humiliation in this upside-down world to communicate his love, to communicate the cleansing that needs to happen, and to communicate who we are supposed to be like him. Jesus doesn't lay down his deity on the cross. You know what he lays down? His dignity. This is really important. Jesus doesn't become not God on the cross. He chose the cross. He lays down his dignity. He uses his power to help the powerless. Super important. No one else could go to the cross except Jesus. Because he is the only one that could actually defeat the cross, defeat death, defeat sin. And he willingly chooses this to be humiliated, to lose his dignity in the world for us. 
to show his love, to cleanse us, and to show his character of who he is. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Having this, says this, having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, not his deity, his dignity, by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, having been found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly, has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him in the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth, and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The washing of the feet is a symbol of humility. Willingly, a symbol of willingly being humiliated for the need of others. And the washing of the feet points to the cross. It's happening at the foot of the cross. In just a few moments, Jesus is going to be put on the cross. The washing of the feet needs to be understood that it is in the direct shadow of the cross. Jesus' washing of the feet, this, this willingness to wash it, is disorienting to everyone around him. Much like the cross is disorienting to everyone around him. They do not understand why he makes this choice. They're at the dinner table, right? And this is not a dinner table where you sit down in a chair, right? They, they lay down, leaning on their arms, their feet away, right? It's a banquet. And so uh, when, when people come in, typically a host would provide uh, someone to wash their feet because you're, living, you're walking with sandals, your feet, even if you just took a shower, or they don't take showers, right? They bathe themselves. Their feet was, they're always dirty. They're always dirty. So it's a symbolic cleaning that you're cleansed and, and gross. You keep your feet farthest away from the food and the table. And just feet are gross. You, you can remember, this is actually a symbol uh, in, in, in Middle Eastern, even still today, that the feet is a judgment upon someone. I don't know if you remember George Bush when he went to the, the Middle East and he had a press conference. And uh, someone actually, one of the reporters took off their shoes and they threw at him. He ducked. He's pretty nimble, right? But it was a symbol of like, you're below us. You're not worthy of us. You're dead to us. All that. Even Jesus, when he sends out the 72, he says, go out to the town, spread my peace. And they don't receive my peace. Dust off your sandals in front of them as, as an act of judgment upon them. This is, this is what this, these feet and these dirty feet symbolize. A disciple of a rabbi, which Jesus was teaching his, uh, his apostles, they were servants. They served their rabbi. They did things for him, but they would never wash the rabbi's feet. Washing of the feet of the rabbi was reserved for his slave only, not his servant. His slave only. But even then, it couldn't be a Jewish slave it had to be a Gentile slave because a Jewish slave would never be reduced to that indignity, that humiliation of washing someone's dirty feet. It had to be a Gentile slave. So here's the pecking order. Rabbi, disciple, Jewish slave, Gentile slave. And what does Jesus identify himself with? 
the Gentile slave. And even that, he disrobes like a menial slave. Both Jewish and Gentile slaves would never disrobe the way that he describes himself as disrobing there to wash their feet. So he lowers himself even lower than the Gentile slave, willing to wash their feet. This is completely disorienting to everyone in this room. What is he doing? This is helpful understanding this context of what's happening to understand what the washing of the feet actually symbolize. What is the purpose of the washing of the feet? The purpose of the washing of feet is to just, is display his love. In John 13, 1, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that the hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. D- Jesus is demonstrating in this moment his deep love for his own. For the, the, uh, the disciples that he has chosen, these particular 12, and he is willing to suffer humiliation for them. And he's demonstrating that. I'm going to be the lowest form of a human right now, and I'm going to wash your feet. Pointing to that he's ultimately, in just a day, he is going to die for them. Now, they don't understand any of this in that moment, but it all is pointed to that moment. He's showing to the extent and the willingness of his love. He loved them to the end. There's a couple ways that can mean. He loved them to the cross, right? That the end is near. But it also means he loves them to the vastness, to the fullness, to the extent of his love. He's showing them the depth and breadth of his love that's beyond their understanding that he's willing to go that low to show how much he's loved them, right? The end means the culmination at the cross and the end means to the utmost. He loved them this much. I don't, as parents, we have ways of describing our love to our kids. And one of the ways that my mom always did, we did this back and forth, you know, I love you higher than the sky and, and then I love you higher than the moon and then I love you higher than, you know, the farthest planet that I knew at the time, right? And it goes on and gone and eventually my mom would win um, because parents' love always wins out in this case. But we describe our love because the point is like, I want you to understand the vastness of my love, the, the limitlessness of my love. And this is what Jesus is trying to describe to his disciples in this moment. I love you. It's uncontainable and it's indescribable in this moment. The washing of the feet and even the cross are metaphors to describe how much he loves us. I'm going to get to that word metaphor in a second. Don't freak out on me. Hold on to it. The absurdity of washing of the feet is meant to the point to the absurdity of what Jesus dying on the cross does. It is to the utmost in which he loves and is willing to demonstrate his love for his people, even willing to lose his dignity, even to die for us. And John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Jesus is the most compelling definition and model of the love that the world has ever seen. You want to encounter someone that that doesn't believe in Jesus, that even has a different faith? A great way to have the discussion is like, let's talk about love. How do you define love? And I want you to begin to understand how does 
Jesus define love. And this is what he's willing to do for you to understand that depth of his love. And we talked about this before. The beginning of, of the understanding of the Trinity is the love between the Father and the Son. This eternal love that goes no ends. Do you have, your, do you have limits on your love for your children? How would you describe your love? How would you describe it? Is it limited? Is it limitless? Is it vast? The washing of the feet, the purpose is to is a display of God's love. And then it also is to show us the, the cleansing need that we have, our soul cleansing need that's needed for us, that God does for us. John 13, 6 or 9. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my... Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered, what I'm doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you will have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Aghast and bewildered at this moment of Jesus willing to disrobe, to wash feet, all the disciples remain silent because it's disorienting. They have no idea what's going on. But Peter objects. Peter stands up and says, Lord, you can't do this. You shouldn't do this. This is below you. And Peter's right. It is below Jesus. Remember, because it's not even the lowest slave. Not even Peter would do this for Jesus. But see, Peter here, he's taking the washing of the feet literally. He's thinking that this is exactly what Jesus means to do, is actually wash their feet. And that's the purpose of this whole moment. Jesus is using the washing of the feet symbolically because they don't even understand it at the moment. He says, Peter, you don't understand what I'm doing. This is really not about me washing your feet it's about me showing you something else. It's about showing you my love. It's about the showing that you need to be cleansed by me because foot washing is a symbol of cleansing. It's a symbolic of cleansing. That people would cleanse their body and a symbolic cleansing, they would cleanse it from head, right? And it would just kind of drip down and it would be symbolically cleansed to show that they need to be pure and that they can't be pure. Only God can purify someone. And then they would walk around the day when you go into someone's house, and so your feet will still there. Symbolically, your feet were to cleanse to show that you have been cleansed from head to toe. Foot washing points to the cross, and the cross points to the atonement, the cleansing atonement of sin that only God provides. The cross is absolutely necessary. If we are to ever be made pure or clean, it happens by the blood of Jesus. All the sacrificial system in the Old Testament, every sacrifice that is described, and there's a multitude of them, are metaphors that point to the cleansing and the sacrifice that happens at the cross. All of them point to them. And here's what I wanted to say about metaphors. I know I might be freaking you out about this. A metaphor doesn't mean it didn't happen. Jesus literally washed their feet. 
But a metaphor is that it points to something, it's representing, it's symbolic to something else. One of the, one of the issues of when you read the Bible is literalness is the enemy of biblical understanding. I don't know if, I, I, I was a huge fan of the Brady Bunch when I was a kid. Thank you, Lisa. There is one episode of the older son, Greg, where he's having this, he's growing up and he's having this argument with his parents and he's, he's taking everything, literally what they say. And so what, what, what they say is, okay, you want to live that way? We're going we're gonna to live this way with everything is literal. Of course, if you live a life with everything that comes out of someone's mouth is literal, it becomes disastrous. Right, and so this is the point. As the Bible uses metaphors, in fact, I want you to understand, all of this world is really a shadow of eternity. And that's what a metaphor is. It's pointing to something that is more real than this moment. So I'm not saying the things in the Bible are not real. They really happened. The cross really happened. But even the cross is a metaphor for the cleansing that God does for us. Everyone's on board. Tracy's not a heretic anymore. Okay, good. Even baptism. Baptism is a metaphor that points to the cleansing that God provides. So the cleansing, I just described the cleansing right to you, right? That it's symbolic, pouring on the head, that only God cleanses that makes pure. They knew that, that they couldn't make themselves pure. And so the baptism that we get for represents this cleansing right, is that when we are baptized, that we are symbolically, metaphorically cleansed by God, that it points to what actually God does. None of us believe when we pour water that it actually cleanses the soul. Only God does that. It's just pointing out, this is what God does for us. None of us believe when we take the Lord's Supper that we are literally eating Jesus' bread and drinking his blood. I mean, that's what people thought, but they're like, no, that's not what we're doing. They're metaphors. They're pointing to a truth. And even in this word, Jesus says, listen, if you don't let me wash you, you will not share in the inheritance. You will not share in the eschatological blessing. You'll not be a part of me. Now, is Jesus saying, if I don't literally wash your feet, you can't now share my inheritance? No. He's pointing, if you don't understand, if you're not connected to me, so if I cleanse you at the cross, that's what he's pointing out. It's not about the washing of the feet. It's about the dying of the cross. It's about him cleansing you. Only Jesus can cleanse us. Only Jesus can make us pure. The one who is pure is the only one that can make us pure. He is the only one that has the ability and the power to do so. This is, this is the doctrine of God. That only God, right? Only he can defeat death. Only he can make pure because he's the only one that is pure. He is the only one that is holy. We cannot make ourselves and we can't make others pure. What's the purpose of the washing the feet? It's the display of God's love. It's show the need of his soul cleansing power which he gives us. That only he can give us. And it's a, it is a model of the conduct of Christian character, of, of God's own character for us. In John 13, 12 through 17, 
When he had washed their feet, he put it on his outer garments and resumed his place. He said to him, do you understand that what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you example that you should also do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is, his me- nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Now, is Jesus saying you need to wash each other's feet? This is, this, is the, this, is what I, this is the lesson that Jesus is teaching. Like, if you're not washing other people's feet, then you are not in the character of God. No, that is literal-mindedness. And Jesus is not trying to say, this is what you need to do. There's a reason why washing of the feet is not a sacrament. It's a symbol. It's a metaphor that points to something else. Be in a rabbi-teacher relationship, a disciple. This is what it means, right? You need to know. The rabbi said, you need to know what I know. And so I'm going to teach you things. And you also, my teaching is you need to do what I do. You're going to learn to live in my character. So you need to follow me morally as well. Jesus is clear here. The washing of the feet is a moral example for his disciples. Anyone that's going to follow him has to follow his teaching and also follow his character as well. He's not asking his disciples to cleanse people. They can't do that. Only Jesus can make people pure. Only Jesus can cleanse. But he is saying, live into my character. They can learn to love. They can learn to live in the vastness of God's love for other people. Uh, Preacher Henry Ward Beecher said this, the world is to be cleaned by somebody and you are not called of God if you're ashamed to scrub. The point is not, he doesn't think you actually need to clean people. You have the power to cleanse people. The point is, are you willing to serve people? Are you willing to be like Jesus and be humiliated to serve people? Are you willing to love them in that way? The washing of the feet equal Jesus willing to be humiliated for others to demonstrate the breadth and depth of his love. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to be humiliated to show the breadth and depth of God's love for others? The washing of feet symbolizes Jesus' willingness to use his power, his privilege, maybe those are trigger words for you, I don't know, to help the powerless. Maybe, maybe another way I could say it. Jesus is using his blessing to bless others, if that's a better word for you. Or this is actually what happened. Jesus is willing to use his vastness of his power to bless the blessed. Not to bless the people we think he ought to bless. Jesus at the cross at the washing of the feet, is using his power to help the powerless. Now, this is where people begin to think I'm a Marxist. So, I'm not talking about Jesus saying, hey, I'm going to force you to use your power, your privilege to help others. Then the message of the gospel is, you do this 
out of love. You do this willingly as a servant because you actually love the people you're serving. Are you willing to do that? Do you understand God's love for you that you're willing to actually take that love and be empowered by that love to love others in that way? And we get to this, this beatitude diagram, right? The blessed equal the powerless. The blessed in this world equal the powerless in this world. Jesus is the powerful one that blesses the powerless. And remember what I told you? You are all powerless. He is the powerful one. And he chooses, not because you deserve it, quite the opposite. He chooses to use his power, his love, to go to the cross, to cleanse you, to display his love, to show his character to you, so that you will be blessed. Jesus, this gift, the switch that he gives us, that Jesus gives us is to help us realize because of sin, we are all powerless in his comparison. We can't earn or obtain our salvation. Only he can. Only he can die on the cross. Jesus is modeling his character, his ethic, in which he's telling you, follow me. Follow me. Whatever power whatever privilege, whatever blessing that you have, because you love God, because you love other people, use that power, privilege, blessing to help those that are powerless, that don't have that privilege, that don't have that blessing. In other words, help those that can't help themselves. And realize that we were all in that state at one time. That we couldn't help ourselves. Because that's what God does. Are you willing to be humiliated for that? I mean, we can use the great comic book superhero model that is actually derived from an ancient proverb, with great power comes... Right, right, we'll do that again. With great power comes... Right, there's a truth in this. This is the eternal truth. With all the privilege and power and blessing that God gives comes great responsibility. He doesn't just give it to you to hoard it. That's not who God is. He gives freely. So you ought to give freely. What is the need around you? What power and privilege or blessing do you have that you might be able to meet that need around you? Washing of the feet tells us, Jesus is telling us to use whatever ability, power to meet that need and to do it whatever it costs, even if it costs your dignity. What's the purpose of washing the feet? It is a display of God's love, how he loves. It is a, a symbol of a cleansing by God, how God saves and it's a model of Christian conduct, conduct, who God's character is and who he's calling us to be. The washing of the feet points to Jesus, what he does for us. He cleanses us from our sin. He redeems us. He pays our ransom. He pays our restitution for our sin. He does what no one else can do for themselves. He utilizes his power to help the powerless. And he tells us 
to model this, to follow him, this character, to live in the world in this way. How are we loving people around us? Our love ought to be using our power to help those in need around us. And here's the thing. It's just not big, majestic gifts and acts that everyone sees. If you're really following Jesus' model, you're actually going to do the little things in which no one sees. So it's not portraits of uh, Gandhi or Albert Schweitzer that we're hanging up. It's portraits of no-name people serving others out of their privilege, out of their ability. That's who we hang up. Another way of saying it, we who are blessed by God, the one who is blessed, are to bless people in the same manner, in a, in a similar manner and method in which he blesses us. We lay down our life. We lay down our worldly dignity so that others may know his love, his cross, and his character. Will you love to the uttermost? Let us pray. Gracious and heavenly God, I give you thanks that you are a God that is willing to go this extent to show your love for us, to show your love for me. Lord, we know we fail in this manner in so many ways that our sin blinds us and gets in the way. Lord, give us the eyes to see the blessed around us, to see the way that you see the world, to show us the need in the world. Show us what, what you've given us and, and the, the power, even though we may think it's limited or little, to show how that we can utilize that to demonstrate your love, to point metaphorically to your true and ultimate eternal love for your people. Lord, we thank you that we are your beloved. Help us to grow in that understanding. Help us to grow in that love. We love you, Lord. Help us with that love. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen.